talk to the founder. Founders founded a company for a reason. It's because they're obsessed with the problem that you solve and they're usually obsessed with the space that you're in. So sit down with them and say, and just say, what's, you know, what's on your mind right now? <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking about? What's bothering you? Where do you see the industry going? They will talk your ear off. A 15 minute conversation, you're gonna walk away with, with dozens of potential topics. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of SaaS Talk with me, Varun Oday. A good content marketing engine is almost a must-have for every SaaS firm today, and oftentimes it also acts as the sole lead generation channel. To talk more about this in detail, I have with me today, Sam Grover. Hey Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hi, hi, great to be here. It's great to have you here today. Um, so can we start off with an introduction to you a little bit about your background and what you're doing right now? Sure. Um, so I've been, a, uh, I've been a copywriter and content strategist for more than 10 years now. Um, I'm self-employed and have been on my own since uh, late 2017. So that's nearly three years. Um, prior to that, I worked for a um, number of number of different places. I think the most, um, the most relevant, uh, I worked for accounting software company Zero, um, where I started off as a copywriter and then moved into a role where I worked on um, their more higher level messaging and positioning to, um, to really change the way that we, that we talked about uh, the benefits of our product. Since I went out on my own in late 2017, I've been working um, on copywriting and content strategy for a number of uh, SaaS and fintech businesses mostly, um, and I work on three. I mean, I work on a bunch of stuff, but the three main areas are landing pages, uh, case studies, and email sequences. Um, all things in that sort of middle of the funnel uh, niche, um, where it's all about turning, helping businesses turn more of their leads into paying customers, because um, that's an area where a lot of businesses tend to um, tend to underinvest. Um, so I've been doing that for a while and, um, yeah, it's been going great. And, uh, and, and now here I am, uh, to talk about it on your podcast. Great. And it's awesome that you could make it here today. Um, so how does content contribute to the marketing pipeline, Sam? So, um, so there's two, there's two main threads to, to this and, One's at the at the top of the funnel, and one's in the in the middle of the funnel. Um, that's that's where content can do can do the most the most work for your business. At the top of the funnel, content can help to um, to raise awareness um, and to educate people around the around the problem that you solve, and it can also help to build trust in what you do. So. For example, um, you know things like educating people. If you, if you have a, a, a large audience who isn't who isn't aware of the problem that you solve, you can create content that helps make them aware of that problem, and then that turns them from just people who are out there into people who are looking for a solution to the problem that you've made them aware of. Um, this happens a lot in in the fintech space where where you know a lot of fintech is about you know apps like Robinhood in the states and so on they're about um, 
selling investment products and financial services to people who, who don't historically consume those services. So by helping people to understand more about, about you know, in this case, investing as a whole, um, you can help to, you're essentially creating a market for your product. Um, the next area where content can help with the pipeline is in, is in the middle of the funnel where you can essentially use, again, it's about education, about turning, about turning your leads into more qualified leads and people who are more likely to convert into a paying customer. Um, so the problem with that solving is that, you know, you can, you can put out ads and do all kinds of top of the funnel stuff to get people into your system. But, and, and those people are going to divide into people who are, um, you know, who are immediately keen for whatever you have to sell. And they're just going to essentially convert anyway. And, but that's a very small number. And then there's a very small number of people who are never going to buy whatever you have to sell. And then there's a large number of people in between that who either, who, who have a demand for what you had to sell, but don't, but aren't ready to buy right now for whatever reason, or they might have demand for what you have to sell, but they need to learn more about what, about what it is. So for these people, content can help to educate them and push them along. Um, you know, a group who does this really well are, actually real estate agents and mortgage brokers because um, most people most of the time don't want to buy a house. Um, but if you're in say a real estate agent's pipeline, they can just sort of keep you aware of the fact that they exist and educate you around things by sending you stuff like, you know, you get those monthly emails from, from, from real estate agents telling you, uh, you know, how much house has been going for in your area and things like that. Um, and that means when you are ready to sell or buy a house, they're top of mind and you also, um, and you also know that they you know, know what they're talking about. So it's about just keeping, keeping in touch and moving people along until they're ready to move into the next phase where they're ready to buy. Right. So once you've got them interested, how do you nurture these leads with content through different stages of the funnel? Or how do you tailor content for each stage of the funnel? Well, it's about um, a really good framework that I use is it's from a book called Breakthrough Advertising from the 1960s um, called the stage. It's called Stages of Awareness. And there's basically five stages and I won't go through all five of them because <laughs> I never remember all five of them, but the, most basically the most aware people um, are people who are ready to buy right now and all they need is an offer and the least aware people are the people who don't know anything about your product and they also don't know that the problem that you solve even exists so so what you want to do when you're creating content is really think about and you may have to do research for this and find it to find out um, what stage of awareness the the audience you're speaking to is in and how you can move them to the next stage. So if you have people who are really, if, if they're, if they're aware of the problem you solve and they're aware of the, um, the different solutions out there, then the content that you want to tailor to them is going to be content that talks about why your solution is the best one compared to the other ones. If, if you have people who are not yet aware of the problem you solve, then you want to tailor your content to make them aware of that problem. 
So, um, you know, as a, as a, as a silly example, if you were a, if you were a gardener, you, know, you, <laughs> you could, you could have, pe you, there might be people who don't, don't realize that, that, that it's possible to maintain a garden and make it not look like a jungle. You know, obviously those people don't really exist, but if they did, that's who you would tailor your, that's, that's who you might tailor your content to, for, to educate those people that they, that their garden can look better, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So how important is making a content calendar and how would you go about it? Um, with the content calendar, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different schools of thought on this. And so one way is to be very granular and, and really specifically plan out, you know, on, on, Monday, on Monday, we're going to do this thing. On Tuesday, we're going to do this thing and plan that out for as long as you want. Um, I find that often doesn't really work. Um, I, th I think organizations often like to do that because it gives them a feeling of a security blanket of saying, oh, we've got our content planned out in granular detail for the next six months. But I find that it, it, it tends to fall apart after not very long. Um, you know, either other things come up or things take longer than you expected or things like that. And, and, so, and very quickly, the, that calendar isn't working. Um, the other way that the other way that doesn't really work is people don't plan at all and they just be reactive. Um, they just sort of generate content on a, on an ad hoc basis. And it, uh, and, and you know, and, and you're constantly running on the seat of your pants and this doesn't really work either because, um, because it's not very strategic. You know, you're, you're constantly reacting to things that you think of, but you're, but you're not really thinking about, you know, what do we want to achieve? So, so put those to one side, the, the, what I think is a, a better approach is to actually start from the objective of what you want to do with your content. So if you think about what we were talking about before, um, with tailoring content to, to the stage of awareness and where people are in the funnel. So if you say you have a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of leads that aren't you know they've been in your system for ages they're, they're not taking any action they're not converting um, you know you might want to get in touch with some of them and figure out what their barriers are to converting you know it might be education it might be um, they don't see value it might be that um, uh, they just forgot about you you know there's there's all kinds of things and if you can identify that then you start now you now you've identified a problem and then you can start to tailor your content to solve that problem. Um, and then build up from there to create your, um, to create your content plan and strategy. Um, so to actually plan it out and chart it out, th there's, there's two ways that I, that I recommend. You know, once you've, once you've figured out that problem that you want to solve, one way is to use what I call pillar content. And that's when you, that's when you on a regular basis, say once a month, once a quarter, whatever works for your business, develop something really, you know, really meaty with lots of information, uh, might be research-based, it might be, um, it, you know, might be just based on insights from your business, you know, something like a white paper or a guide or, um, you know, a series of case studies, uh, a report, you know, something that, that but the key is it's got to have really good information that's relevant to your audience. Um, and then what you do is you, is you pull information out of that. Um, 
and you repurpose it into the specific things that you've identified as your vehicles for um, uh, for solving the problem you, uh, that you identified before. So, um, so you might you might you, you might have identified that your your leads need more information showing the value of your product. So you could put together a report showing lots of different um, ways that your product added value to different um, different customers um, in different industries um, using your really quantitative data, all that, you know, really good testimonials and proof points. From there, you could then take those testimonials and proof points and the information from that and, and, you know, easily turn that into a series of emails and send those to your leads. Um, you could also turn that into blog posts. You could turn it into social media, um, posts and ads, but what you're doing is you're taking that key pillar content and you're just remixing it over and over again for all the different ways that you can communicate with your audience. So that's a really, you know, that's, that, that's a really solid way to do it because what, rather than having a calendar of a whole bunch of different things, you're actually just doing one thing and putting a lot of effort into it. And then you're just, um, you're just using the, the fixed cost of that effort over and over again and amortizing it over lots of different smaller things. And it can be really efficient. And also um, it keeps your messaging on your content a lot more um, consistent because you're, because it is essentially the same thing over and over again. Um, so the other way you can, you can do this is, um, it, so that's really good for things like um, campaigns and, you know, lead nurturing, stuff like that. For things like a blog, um, uh, and we'll get, I know we'll get to this in a minute, but one, you know, one way for things like blogs or even like newsletters and stuff like that, things that are, that are more, you know, more about, about creating new content on a regular basis. A really, a really good way to address that is to, um, is to come up with, you know, three to five, uh, what I call topic buckets, you know, uh, categories of posts or newsletters or, or whatever that you'll um, that you're going to focus on, and then you can put together a short-term plan for, like, say, you know, if you can do a blog a week, you can come up with a, with a month of blogs, just four blogs, um, like just thinking of one thing within each of those buckets, um, and this is a useful way to do it because. Um, because it just takes you a level beyond that sort of blank page. Uh, when you just have a blank page, it's really, you know, it can be really intimidating. Um, but if you have a little bit of structure around what you talk about, that can really get your mind moving and, um, and get you thinking of uh, topics to, to chart out. So those are the, those are the two ways that I recommend for um, planning and charting out content calendars. Um, one, create pillar content and repurpose it. Two, think of some, um, Think of a few topics that you want to consistently cover and um, and plan on a short to midterm basis of a month to six weeks at a time. Got it. So now you've planned out for your content and you've also produced it, all right? But mm -hmm. without distributing it, it's as good as nothing, right? That's right. Yeah, so for how sure. do you go about distributing your content? Um, so again, I think again, this is something that you want to start from the other way around. I think um, because if you produce your content and then think, oh, how are we going to distribute this? You've 
you know, you might find that you produce something and then the channel that you have available isn't suitable for whatever you've produced. So you're now going to have to either uh, decide not to do that or you're going to have to cram it into that channel in a way that may not really work. So again, I think this is about going back to what is the problem we're trying to solve here? What is the, what is the information that our customer needs um, to get them to persuade them to do what we want them to do? And also where, where is our customer? to receive this information. Um, and then you can sort of work backwards. Um, that's, that's where that pillar idea I was talking about before is really, um, really effective. You know, say, um, you know, this is the, I, I spend a lot of time in email marketing, so this is the examples I always use. Um, but, you know, say you find that your, your customers in the middle of your funnel uh, need, need certain information. And you know that they're, you know, they consistently open emails from you. Well, so now that's, that's told you that, um, that email is a good distribution channel for you. So now you want to work backwards to create content for that distribution channel. And now you can make sure that the content fits that channel in an um, effective way. Um, so really my advice there is really just don't start from the content and then find the channel. Rather find the, the channel and then build the content to meet that channel. I think that's an interesting way to, to look at it. So once you've done all of this, right, how do you measure the ROI of content marketing? Um, again, this splits into, you know, for middle of the funnel stuff, it's, it's very straightforward to measure your ROI, especially, you know, the, the further down the funnel you get, the easier it gets. If, you know, if you're, if you're sending out an offer to a whole bunch of people who are just, you know, who are right at the bottom of your funnel and are ready to convert, well then, that's that's very straightforward. How many people took you up on the offer? Uh, easy. However, the further up the funnel you get, um, the harder it gets to measure your ROI. Um, and I think you did. There's a certain amount of, especially as you get to the top. There's a certain amount of accepting that that you can't really track the ROI. Uh, for example, if you're, um, you, you know, the, the best example is the really top of the funnel awareness stuff. If you're just, if you're doing blogs and you're, and you're, um, and you're posting them and you're putting money behind them and you're getting them out there, it is difficult to measure how many of those views are turning into, um, into sales. Um, but that the and 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 I think before you start, you need to you need to accept that just because something's difficult to measure doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it. Rather, you should be um, sort of accepting what you can measure and then measuring and measuring that, and then um, accepting what you can't measure and then not really worrying about that. Um, I mean, that's not to say you should just be doing things just for the sake of doing them. I mean, you do want to have some, a clear strategy and you do want to be measuring something. <laughs> you know, for, for example, um, if you're putting blogs on social media um, and, you're, and you're keeping track of how many views and uh, in, how much engagement it gets, you know, that's, that's definitely worth doing, but it's, and, and it's good to keep those numbers high. And if those numbers start to drop, then you should, um, you should, you should look at what's going on. However, 
you are going to struggle to connect those views and engagement numbers with um, with a clear sales outcome. And and I think you just need to sort of accept that. Um, because you know I see organizations run into problems sometimes of you know they, they look at everything they're doing and they say oh look all our bottom of the funnel stuff when we send out offers it does great because that's so easy to measure you know but when we post blogs all we get are views and comments and we don't know you know that we don't know what that's doing so we're going to stop doing it um so this so they turn that top of the funnel stuff off and then suddenly <laughs> you know the um the uptake of their offers for the bottom of the funnel stuff starts to fall away. Um, and, and there's no, you, you know, you can't, you can't find that direct uh, causal link, but it is there. It's just, you can't, you can't see it until you turn off that top of the funnel stuff. So I think you just need to, yeah, you just need to kind of accept that, that a certain amount of, of stuff you put out there is going to have, um, is going to be very hard to measure in a sales uh, context. Um, however, I mean, that, as I said, that doesn't mean you should just be reflexively putting out content and saying, oh, this is just what we do. You know, you should be, you should be keeping an eye on how, how many people look at things, how many people comment on things, um, how many people engage in things. But I think just, just with the understanding that, that you, that you'll never be able to say, oh, for every hundred views of our blog, that turns into one sale. You know, you're never going to be able to, you're never going to be able to say that because there's so much noise between the top and the bottom of the funnel. But um, what you should do is, is find something about your content that you can measure um, and keep track of that so you can measure, because it is worth knowing, you know, if, you're, if you do 10 blogs and nine of them get a thousand views each and the 10th one gets a hundred, that's worth knowing. You know, and that's worth examining. Why is that happening? You know, why did this tenth view, this tenth blog, get ten uh, percent of the views of the previous nine? Because that that's going to tell you that's going to tell you how well your content is engaging with people. Um, but it's not going to connect to a sales figure, unfortunately. Yep, got it. So one problem that content marketers usually face is keeping the content engine going, especially when there aren't new products or feature releases happening. Mm -hmm. So yeah, how do you keep that content engine running? Sure, there's, I mean, this is, this is one of the most common problems that organizations run into. They, they know they should be producing content. Um, uh, they, know they, they know they need to, they know that, and they know that people react well to it, but they have trouble coming up with stuff. Um, it's it's one of the bigger the most common problems I run into. So for anyone listening who's struggling with this, you know, just know that you're not alone. So there's three really good ways to do this um, that I've found. Um, one is to uh, you know answer questions in public. Um, and and so what you're going to want to do here is talk to two groups of people internally. Talk to your sales team and talk to your customer service team. And, and what you want to find out is, is, you know, what, what are the questions coming through? What, what are people, what are, what are these teams talking about with customers day in and day out? And, um, and then answer that. And, and if the, and, and if those questions are coming through, then you know that there's demand uh, for answers to them. So just answer them. Um, 
And if they're and if they're if they're product questions, you want to turn them into the wider question. So, for example, because just answering product questions is is fine, but it's but it's not going to connect with anybody who isn't already in your product and using it. So rather, you want to um, listen to product questions and figure out what the job someone is trying to do when when they ask that product question. So, for example, um, you know, say say you're you're doing a blog for Google Sheets. If you're getting lots of questions about how to make a graph, um, you wouldn't want to make a blog that just how to make a graph. If you're if you're looking for top of the funnel uh, audiences, rather you'd want to make a blog that is you know the value of graphs, how to how to make a graph that that connects with people, how to to articulate yourself through graphs. So it's not so much just how to make a graph in our product. It would be how to make a graph in general, how to how to make your graph stand out. Essentially, what you're trying to do here is identify what what these people are trying to achieve, you know, in their life, in their business, and then answer that. So it's just like a level above what the product question is. Um, you know, at Zero, we did this a lot with, uh, you know, people, people asked questions about reconciling their bank account or, um, you, know, you know, things like that. So we turned that into um, content around cash flow because that's really, you know, when you're reconciling your bank statements against your invoices and, and payments, you're, you're not just doing a task, you're actually trying to keep an eye on your, on your business's cash flow. And, and so that was the kind of content we created, that, that one level up from whatever the product question was. Um, so that's the first way, answer questions in public. Talk to your, talk to your customer service, talk to your sales, um, find out the questions, interrogate what the wider problem is and answer that wider problem. The next way is to more broadly educate people about the um, general space that you're in. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, this is a really common one in FinTech, but really anywhere where you're dealing with customers who are new to whatever it is you provide. You know, so for, for these people, you want, to, you want to figure out where are the gaps in their knowledge? Um, what, what, do, what do current customers know now that they wish they'd known when they first became customers? Um, so the way to find that out is to talk to your customers themselves, you know, get them on the phone, um, find, out, find, find out what their journey was, get them to talk you through it. Um, and, then, and then we can also do send out surveys to your customers. Um, again, find out what did they wish they knew when they first signed up um, and what do they know now? Um, and then you can use content to bridge that gap. Um, and even just one conversation, you're, you're probably gonna get a lot of different topics. Um, and then from there, you can, you can, you know, that's going to give you ideas for more topics. So just a few is going to, is going to branch out into even more. So that's the other way. Talk to your customers, find out what their problems were, solve those problems in public. Um, the last one is, and this is particularly true for uh, uh, SaaS businesses and startups in general, is talk to the founder. Um, founders founded a company for a reason. It's because they're obsessed with the problem that you solve and they're usually obsessed with the space that you're in. So sit down with them and say, and just say, 
what's, you know, what's on your mind right now? <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking about? What's bothering you? Where do you see the industry going? And they will, I mean, they founded these businesses because they're passionate people. They will talk your ear off. Um, you know, a 15 minute conversation, you're going to walk away with, it's not going to be a conversation. It's going to be them talking at you <laughs> and you're going to walk away with, with dozens of potential topics that you can, um, that you can think through and flesh out. Um, so I really encourage any, um, anyone who's in a, in a, in a really founder dominated business, try to schedule in a conversation with that founder, at least, um, you know, once a month should be fine. It doesn't need to be anything huge. You know, these, these are busy people. Um, but if you can squeeze 15 minutes out of them once a month, that's going to fill your content pipeline really easily. I guess my last point is that when you, with these three, I would really recommend that um, businesses use all three of these approaches because all three are going to generate different types of content. You know, they're solving, they're solving problems uh, to educate people about your overall space you're in. They're solving product problems and, um, and the associated issues with that. And then there's, you know, there's the wider things that founders are going to be thinking about, you know, where's the industry headed, uh, stuff like that. Um, so a mix of all three of these things is going to give you a really solid mix of content that you can work with. And then again, you can remix it, you can, um, repurpose it, um, you know, and just, and just try to get as much out of each topic as you possibly can. Okay. Awesome. We've had a great chat, Sam. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for those insights and thank you so much for your time. No worries. Yeah, it's great to, great to talk. Um, yeah, really good, really good to be here. Thank you. And I wish you all the best. Bye -bye. Thanks. You too. All right. See ya. See ya.